0: It's interesting because we uh, use the term best friend to um, often refer to that person um, that kind of rises above the rest. Um, I think the the latest little line over the last, I don't know, five, eight years is women will say, she's my BFF, best friend forever. Guys usually don't say that, but gals do. There's this idea that, and you could probably think of it, if you think of, do you have a best friend? And for you to say, yeah, I do, usually means there's something special about that person. Your best friend could be your spouse. Your best friend could be a childhood friend. But to be a best friend, it means that, you know, you care about them, you love them. There's something significant, it's usually history, um, that rises above the rest. We don't think about this often, but arguably, Jesus had a best friend. A relationship in his life that rose above any other relationship. In fact, in John 21 20, this is the only relationship that is described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all the disciples, clearly. He loved the world. But only this person is identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this person is the apostle John. Now, many of you have asked, where are we going to study next? We're going to study the gospel of John. But I thought before we do, by way of introduction, it's going to be super important for us to get the most out of our study by understanding a little deeper about its author. What is it about the disciple? I mean, if that isn't unique enough, that it's the disciple who Jesus loved, but there's so many more unique things. That's why I've entitled this morning's message, Best Friends, Unique Qualities About the Apostle John. So we're going to look at the author a little bit this morning before we actually jump into the Gospel of John, and my hope is that they'll also bring more confidence, it'll bring more excitement and anticipation of what this Gospel can provide for us. Now many of you, when you became a Christian, this is one of the first Gospels you read through, but it may have been something that you haven't read in a long time, and I would argue that this is a very, very unique Gospel. Um, And we'll kind of discover why. But let's just start general. The Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John, but it didn't stop there. The Apostle John also wrote three letters first, second, third, John. And he also wrote the book of Revelation. So, this apostle whom Jesus loved, um, his writings comprise 20% of the New Testament. So, it's significant. Um, He was a Jew because we know when he met Jesus, he was in the Galilee area. We also know that he was a fisherman in that area because he was a son of Zebedee, who was also a fisherman in the area. Uh, But there's more, and, and, and we also know in general, and we'll talk about this later in the weeks to come, that he's writing both to Jews and to Gentiles. But about John, this is what he states in one of his letters in 1 John. He says... 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's a reference to Jesus. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So John's highlighting here about himself particularly, but there's others, that he was an eyewitness, that he had first-hand experience, that he had seen Jesus, he had touched Jesus, he's not working on hearsay and rumor mills, okay? Now, you might say, okay, that's unique, and it certainly is, right? Because we know there were 12 of those people, um, okay? That, 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 but it's not unique, unique. Well, here's the reason why it's unique, When you look at the list of the 12, the disciples, you see very quickly that it goes from 12 to three. And what do I mean by three? Well, look at this list in Matthew's gospel of the disciples. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now look at that list. <clears throat> now, what do we know about that list? Well, we know that Peter penned First and 2 Peter. So if we're gonna hear from Peter or understand Peter's heart, you can go to those two letters. We also know that Andrew, his brother, never wrote anything that we were aware of. We know that James, the son of Zebedee, by the way, which is John's brother, never wrote anything. When you have the book of James in your New Testament, that isn't this one, James, it's James, the brother of Jesus, so it's not an apostle. So James, the son of Zebedee, never wrote anything. Philip and Bartholomew never wrote anything. Thomas never wrote anything, Matthew did, that's where you get the Gospel of Matthew, tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, never wrote anything. Thaddeus never wrote anything. Simon the Zealot and Judas never wrote anything. So the only people in that list that have written anything in our New Testament is Matthew, Peter, and John, okay? So right there, that that highlights that this Gospel is unique. Um, that it's it's unique and that he 's only one of three that wrote. Um, but he was an eyewitness and it was based on his relationship with Jesus, not on his relationship with others. Now, what do I mean by that? Because, well, when you have the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, those are known as synoptic gospels. And the reason they're known as synoptic, uh, synonymous means the same, optic is they look the same. And so when you look, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you put them in a, in a row, you see that they're, they all cover the same stuff. It it, it may be a different view. I kind of liken it to driving down the street. You drive down the street, you got a front view, side view, back view, but it's the same street. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all stay on the same street. Matthew, an eyewitness. Mark, not an eyewitness. He got his information from Peter, so he's secondhand. Matthew, Mark, Luke, not an eyewitness. He was Paul's doctor. So he got his information from Paul, and Paul arguably was an eyewitness in terms of he encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, but he wasn't an eyewitness during the time of Christ. So this makes John very unique, John and Matthew really very unique. And this is why when we read John, and we'll go through this, when you compare it to the synoptics, the majority of John's gospel is not even covered in the other gospels. It's not even covered because he wasn't relying on them. Many people think and we'll get into the date of this anyway that he was actually their gospels were out and he's thinking you've left so much out and he's covering it in his gospel. But all that to say when you think about being an eyewitness when you think about living with Jesus traveling with Jesus that's a very unique quality. Number one in your outline you spent three years with Jesus. That's a, a very unique quality of the apostle John. I mean, When you really think about it who can say that? Very few, very few. Only 12 people, really, and then only three of the 12 wrote about it. I think about my wife when we dated. We dated for three years before we got married. Thought we knew each other pretty well. How many of you dated a long time, right, before you got married? You know, you kind of, you know, triggering it out. Well, if you live with somebody for three years, it's very different, isn't it? Then you really know. And when you think about it, John lived with Jesus. They traveled together. They ate together. They walked through life together for three years. I mean, if if there's gonna be somebody that's gonna write about Jesus that knew Jesus, it's John. They had a close relationship. And it'll be exciting to explore that. Yeah, you start to understand each other a lot more. You understand and have to work through highs and lows and problems. And this is what makes this such a unique book of the Bible, because of its author, and he's three years with the Lord. But that's not the only unique thing. There's more than just a close relationship. Um, Look at this event that's recorded in Matthew 17. Very profound event, by the way. But I want to look at the John piece of it. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Now, if you read that account, I'm just stopping there, but if you read that account, it's pretty profound. It's it's known as the transfiguration. And it's when Christ basically showed his glory by a glorified body. And the patriarchs of Judaism, Elijah and Moses, appeared, and what they appeared is they basically gave the endorsement to who Jesus was It freaked out the disciples who were there, but that's not the issue. Who was there? Peter, James, and John. None of the others were there. Hmm. Why is that? Why wasn't Thaddeus there? Why wouldn't Matthew there? Why wouldn't Philip there? Peter, James, and John. And this happened a lot, by the way. We read another account where Jesus was walking through a village, and a Roman ruler came up, and he was worried about his sick daughter at home, and he wanted Jesus to come heal him. Do you remember that? It's in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter five, and while he, Jesus, was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And look at this. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So all through the gospel, we kind of see this trio included in things, but not the whole group. What does that mean? That means that John and Peter and Matthew, or and James, Um, were exposed to things that nobody else was. They were included in situations that were private and secluded. So not only did John have a close relationship with Jesus, another unique thing about the Apostle John, number two on your outline, he's part of the inner circle. He was part of an inner circle. He was privy to things that no other disciple was. For them to hear about it, they would have to hear about it. They didn't see it, they didn't engage in it, but John did. And when you consider this from a writing standpoint, this is where it's super important, and it starts to clear things up. What do I mean by that? You're probably watching, you know, begrudgingly, or have watched the Epstein trials, right? You know, Epstein and that whole thing, and then then his right-hand gal, Geelan, who is arrested and tried, um, Epstein, of course, has, has died in prison, but, you know, this, all this crazy stuff of his life and politicians and everything, but who was the right-hand person? Gelan? And there's a lot of mystery surrounding what really happened until they talked to her because she was on the inside. There's a lot of unanswered questions until they talk to her. So the big thing was, is she going to talk? because she could probably blow the whistle on everybody and this whole thing, but do you get what I'm pointing out? She's behind the scenes. She's seen stuff that no one's seen. This is what John is when it comes to the Lord. He's been behind the scenes. He's seen stuff that no one has seen, and he's talking. That's what the gospel is. Very unique opportunity that really no one else, arguably on the planet, could provide so in our study he'll take us behind the scenes where nobody else does he'll take us into the upper room and talk about the discussion that takes place he'll take us to the foot of the cross and let us hear jesus talk to his mother and hand his mother off to who john close super close He'll take us behind the scenes of the feeding of the 5,000. He'll unpack the metaphors that are used of Jesus as the the door, uh, the living water, uh, uh, the light. That's a big theme in John's gospel. We will better understand the heart of Jesus because we're hearing from a man who knew the heart of Jesus. Super exciting. I'm super excited about that to have this kind of backstage pass, if you will. But there's more. I told you John wrote the book of Revelation. Look at the first couple verses here in uh, Revelation 1, 9. I, John, the brother and partner in the tribulation, in the kingdom, in the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. I mean, I love it. And it's just, in general. So Jesus is gone. And who does he come back to talk to? John. Now, people would say that this, most theologians would agree, Revelation was the last book of the Bible written from a timing standpoint, written somewhere between 80 and 90 AD. Okay? Now, if you do the math on that, assuming John's, about the age of Jesus when they were spending three years together, how old would that make John? 80 to 90 years old. After the fact. You guys, are still around. In fact, if you read any church history about church fathers, you'll see you got the generation of the disciples, but then there's a, in the next generation. One of the primary uh, guys in the next generation, his name's Polycarp. And he lived from about 70 A.D. to about 130 A.D. He's one of the first martyrs of the church. He was a disciple of John. And he said in his writings that John wrote Revelation at a very old age. Hmm. <clears throat> so, this means that John was alive about 60 years after Jesus, which means he would have been 80, 90 years old. And compared to all the other disciples who were executed at a young age, John's still hanging out. Very unique, I put it this way. Uh, Third unique quality about the Apostle John, he lived a long life. And you might be saying, well, why is that so unique? Well, think about this for a second. Think about when you became a Christian. Roll back the clock for some of you. For me, it's literally going back to high school. How were you? You were excited. You were talking to friends. You're excited to see God move in your life. The word of God came alive. It was, it was active, it was going, this is great. And what can happen over time? Excitement dies down. Things change. And the real test of faithful discipleship, and the real test of transformation, and the real test of God doing a work, isn't how you start, it's how you end. See, in other words, the church was persecuted. And if John was just going, yeah, this was an event, maybe I misinterpreted it, it was kind of cultic, I jumped in, probably shouldn't have done it, he's not going to be doing this at 90 years old. By the way, there's too much at stake. Domitian was coming on strong at that time, heavy persecutor of the church. He was exiled to to the island of Patmos because he got arrested in Ephesus. And yet he hung in there. A fisherman who could have easily gone, next. I don't know what that was, but, you know, I was in my 20s, kind of like a hippie movement, you know, or whatever. But he's still there. Hmm, hmm. For me, this brings confidence to our study. This was a man who was there on the inside and endured till the end. He was willing to put skin in the game so it wasn't just a hearsay rumor mill phase in culture. He encountered this, the, the saving Christ. And, and so, anyway, he lived a long life. That's a very unique piece of it. <clears throat> and finally, um, yeah, this, this, one, this is my favorite actually. This is my favorite unique quality, and I'll tell you why, but let me get into it first. By the way, there's more than four, but by sake of time, I thought I'm not going to sit here and do a 10-point outline. So these are, these are enough to, I hope, get you excited and, and build your confidence in our study. But Mark's gospel lists the 12 um, apostles, um, and I didn't go through the whole thing, but <clears throat> there's some renaming that goes on, which is super interesting. Mark 3, 16, he, Jesus appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boragnes, that is, sons of thunder. Now, why would Jesus name them sons of thunder? Because he gave them the name. Was it something that he saw in them? Was it their prior reputation? Sure, could be both. Don't know exactly. But we see a little bit of this come out in an event that took place. was recorded in Luke's gospel. Look at this. When the days drew near for him, Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and his messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. They didn't like Jews. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) But he turned and rebuked them and said, forget about it. I love that. Number one, First of all, they had the faith that they could call fire down, which is super interesting, right? Like, do you want us to do that? We won't hassle you. We'll do the fireworks if, if that's what you want. So they had faith that they could do this. And, but their approach was so misplaced, they, they didn't get that. And so this, John was a hothead. John was a hothead. He was essentially a tough guy and a brawler. When you think of a fisherman... Don't think of a, a fly fisherman. Think of a longshoreman. Okay, that's John. And yet he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Interesting. So, fourth unique quality about the Apostle John, he had a temper. He had a temper. And I, what I love about this is, it wasn't the disciple whom Jesus loved because he had his act together um, was highly influential, highly educated. No, and this is where the gospel is. This is a demonstration of the gospel. That Jesus would entrust himself to a hot-headed fisherman is so encouraging and should encourage us all. It means we all have a chance. It really does. John didn't have it all together. He had his struggles. And John knew this. That's why in John's gospel, he wrote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. John's personal struggles and Jesus' heart of love towards him highlights the heart of God. and the work that God can do. In other words, this isn't just a hot-headed fisherman. This is somebody who's been transformed by the power of God. Hmm. I'm reminded in the book of Acts When the Pharisees were recognizing something about John and Peter, they said this. Now when they, Pharisees, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So their background says, uneducated, fisherman, hothead, but after encountering the living Christ, transformed by the power of God. So I love this quality of John, that he's a hothead, that he had a temper. Because I hope it encourages you. Understanding the heart of God and following God isn't about you getting your act together. It's about your willingness to walk with the Lord and accept his love for you. So there you have it. The Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved. Best friends. So we're about to embark on a unique study through a unique book written by a unique author who had a unique relationship with Jesus, arguably one of a kind. Now, we know the Holy Spirit is the one that inspires the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit also works through the experiences and personalities of the writers. So I hope you're excited to start it, I know I am. It's been a season of years since I've actually drilled down into the Gospel of John, and I know there's a lot of rich things there for us, because when we talk about really what it means to be a Christian, it's about understanding and knowing the heart of God and following Him, this guy had it down. Lord, thank you for um, just this picture of a simple man who was minding his own business, carrying on the family business of fishing, and one day met you. Wasn't on his calendar, wasn't anticipated, wasn't predicted for him. And yet, as you said, you would make him fishers of men and how that just transformed his life to be an apostle not only that you were super close to but used for kingdom work for millennia, for years, thousands of years to transform lives and hearts through his gospel. It's crazy to know that... (laughs) He had a temper and was a hothead, and yet he's known also as the apostle of love. Hmm. Speaks to how you can change us, Lord, when we allow you to. So bless our time in the weeks and months ahead as we go through this gospel that we can draw close to your heart like John was close to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.